Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Okay, let's come to God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we open our hearts to you. We thank you that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And Lord, above all things, we want to see Jesus. We want to know him in a different light and who he is, the challenges that he brings, the blessings that fall. Lord, let our hearts be open to you this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing with uh, looking at the Gospel of John, which is an incredible Gospel, and always keeping in our mind as we read the Gospel of John, what the purpose of John is, and that's found in John chapter 20, verse 31, that says, but these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in His name, you will have power in your life. What a great promise that God gives us that we continue to believe in Him. Believing in Him is a crucial element for us as Christians. And in the Gospel of John, John uses the word believe, the Greek word is pistoa, and he uses it about a hundred times, a hundred times where he's saying believe, 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 believe. And so his emphasis is on for us to believe in him. And when we believe, that gives us great confidence and assurance in our Christian walk. That word believe means to be persuaded, to place confidence, to trust, to have reliance upon. And when we have those things, those confidence, we know that God is with us and not just somewhere out there. That the challenges that we face, God is with us. And Jesus said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And with confidence and assurance, he gives us power to live life. I want to live life to the full. I want to suck the marrow out of the middle of the bone. I want, I want life to be sweet. I have some friends who are about the same age as me, and they are slowing down and I want to ramp up. Who wants to ramp up in life? Goodness me, they say age is a number. That, well, that's very, 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 very clever, isn't it? Age is a number. But age has got nothing to do with it. It always has to do with that attitude. I want to be like the, those men of old who lived, you know, uh, who was it? Methuselah lived to 996 years old. Wow, isn't that something to look forward to? Imagine getting the pension for that long. That would be great. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I'm retiring at 65. Woohoo! 930 years of support. But we've got to live life to the full. What's the option? What's the option of not living life to the full? Half full? Not at all. God wants us to live life to the full, and that's why He sent His Son. It's vital if we want to live the life that Jesus has given to us to obtain, to take, it is vital for us to, uh, 
to kind of like put a nail, you know, in the wood and tie something to it to say, I know who Jesus is. Put a stake in the ground would probably be a better way to say it. Who Jesus is. If you never settle that issue, you will always be going backwards and forwards, going through the things of life. Well, maybe maybe he was a good man. Maybe he was a prophet. Oh, maybe he was just such an amazing teacher. C.S. Lewis, the great writer who was part of the Inklings, who uh, hung around with Tolkien and all these other great literary geniuses, became a Christian. And when he became a Christian... I want to read to you what he said about making the decision. He said that Jesus would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg. You know, the people that say they're one thing and this and that. But he says, if Jesus, he would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, Or he would be the devil of hell himself. You must make a choice. Either this man, Jesus, is the Son of God, or else he is a madman or someone else. I have to accept the view that he was and is God. He made the decision that Jesus is God. And he tied his life completely to him. In the time of Jesus, Judaism was a religion of works. It was a system based on rituals, routines, being a good person, being moral, having those things that we could say, well, I'm good enough for God. They thought that these things were the things that would get them into heaven. This is not the gospel. This is not what God has set up before the foundation of the world. God, in his wisdom, has set in place in which every person who can determine with their own mind and their heart can make a decision and have a conviction to believe. You either believe or you disbelieve. If there is that unbelief, religion will have you do good works. It will have you keeping rules and regulations but it won't get you to heaven. Why would God make it so that you would just have to believe? Because it opens a way for everyone to come into his presence through the sacrifice of Jesus, by sending his son to die for you. Because you will never know, because most religions, and I would say 99.9% of them, are based on either being moral or doing good things or suffering and never really knowing whether you have been good enough, if you've suffered enough, if you've been moral enough because it's a spiral of always hoping that you can make it. I just, if I just do one more good work, it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It's of God's doing, not of your own doing. And that way, everyone has the opportunity to respond by faith. Everyone. Not one single person can be left out who can reason with their mind and believe with their heart and confess with their mouth, they will be saved. You do not have to do anything. You know, religion is always about doing. Hoping and doing and doing and doing. 
But Christianity is about what has been done. And Jesus has done it all. When he said, it is finished, he fulfilled everything that was required for him concerning what was set down. Over 360 prophecies concerning when he came and what he would do. All recorded historically. Not a chance that he would miss anything out. It opens the way for everyone. And John is so passionate about you and I believing in him that he writes, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. And he, he reflects on the, the, his experiences with Jesus. And once again, we come to another situation where he wants us to believe in Jesus. Don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in others completely. Put them in Jesus. Because I know, I can prophesy, one day I will let you down. I will. Because I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. And believe me, I know you're going to let me down. I've kind of like just already resigned to the, to the situation. Well, I love my church, but I know they're going to let me down. Because we're not perfect. That's the reality. But if I place my faith and my hope and my trust in Him, my confidence, then He will never, ever let me down. Then I can live in this power that He's given me called life. And so we come to the next story, which is just absolutely brilliant, I think. And it is about Jesus, how He heals the official's son. Sometimes He's called the royal uh, person. So let's read it from Scripture. At the end of two days, that was two days with the Samaritans, he's preaching it to the Samaritans, and many of them believed. And remember that the Samaritan says, we don't just believe what you have said to the woman, but we believe that he is the Son of God. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself said, a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans uh, welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebrating and had seen everything that he had done. So Jesus' hometown was not found in Galilee, it was actually found in Bethlehem, in Judea, that's the area. So I've got another little map for you this morning, I hope you would like, just so that we can see what's been happening in the life of Jesus. So here is, basically it's about here where Jesus was in Sychar. And he, he travels up and he goes to Canaan there. He grew up in Nazareth and he's in Canaan. So he's kind of like moved on out. And he's moved into a new area, that, that area that he knows so well called Galilee. But that's not his hometown. Bethlehem is his hometown, his place of birth. And Jesus moves from Sychar, the event of the woman at the well, and we see that when he comes into this area, he is welcome. Why is he welcome? Well, the scripture says the Galileans saw what Jesus had done in Jerusalem. So we can assume that Jesus healed people and he taught people. 
And they're very excited and they welcome him into this area. So here's the next scripture that says, As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Canaan, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a government official in the nearby, in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. And when he had heard that Jesus had come to Judea, to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was, a, who was about to die. And Jesus asked him, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? This is really important for us this morning. Jesus comes to Canaan. And think about this. He's just come from a great time with the Samaritans, those who are the, the outcasts, you know, the, the people that no one wants to have anything to do with. He comes to Canaan, and there's kind of like this remembrance of the celebration of the wedding. This is actually where Nathaniel was from. And Nathaniel's there, and there's lots of Jesus' relatives there, and there's this great connection going on, and they're probably talking about what had happened in Jerusalem. And some guy says, do you know what happened in Jerusalem? They go, what? What happened? What happened at the Passover? Well, Jesus was preaching in the synagogue. You should have seen them Pharisees squirming. They didn't like a word that he said. It was really, really. And then Jesus got so angry. He turned the tables upside down in the Gentiles' court. And there's cows going crazy and people freaking out and money on the floor. Women screaming, boys crying. It's all going on. And then all of a sudden, a royal official a government official comes and he says, please, please come and heal my son. Now this government official, historians believe that his name is Chusa. Now Chusa is related to Herod Antipas, who is in control of the area. There is some speculation that even is it's kind of like his half-brother who's in charge of Capernaum. And his official title is actually Little King. Because Herod was the big king, and he's kind of like the little king of Capernaum. You should actually Google images and have a look at Capernaum, what it looks like today. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. It looks just beautiful, kind of like a town that you would just love to be in. And so this guy, Chusa, he has a wife. They believe it may have been Joanna. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, it tells us that Chusa's wife were one of the women who hung around the other women with Jesus. So there is this connection that's taken place. Now, we can only kind of like guess how the connection happened. Maybe his wife was in Jerusalem and saw the things that Jesus did and she comes back home after the Passover and she's with her husband and then the little boy gets sick. And she says, there is this guy called Jesus who heals. He heals people. I have seen him heal people. And so I think and I believe that she has probably said to him, go and get Jesus we have heard he's in Canaan. Now the distance from, from Capernaum to 
uh, Canaan is about 30 kilometers. If you were to walk it, it would be like walking from here to Ikea in Underwood. Now, personally, I wouldn't walk from here to Ikea even when the meatballs are on special, all right? But that's, that's about five hours, 16 minutes, according to Google Maps, all right? So, I mean, it must be true to walk that distance. We don't know if he's on camel, we don't know if he's on donkey, but he sets out and he goes and finds Jesus as they're at the place of Canaan and they're talking and he breaks in and he says, come and heal my child. And Jesus says this, and this is so important for us, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Will you never believe in me? Well, hang on. That kind of like doesn't make any sense. This guy, he believed that Jesus could heal. He believed that Jesus could heal. That's why he's come. He wouldn't just go for the sake of it. You know, the problem is sometimes is that we won't believe unless we see. I don't know how many times my friends have said to me who aren't believers, well, if I could see God, then I would believe in God. Who's ever had that kind of pushback? Seeing and believing has always been the pragmatic philosophy of those of no faith and sometimes even those of faith. Here's something absolutely interesting that I found. When I was reading John chapter 20, because verse 31 is our key verse, in verse 25, just six verses before it, Thomas says this, after they tell him that Jesus has been risen from the dead, he says, I will not believe unless I can put my finger into the nail print of his hand and unless I can put my hand into his side. I won't believe. And when you think about Thomas and the disciples, they had been with Jesus for three years and they saw healing after healing, the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, the lame walking, those who were oppressed by the devil set free. There was the miracle of walking on water, calming the storm, feeding the thousands and thousands And yet Thomas, who is with Jesus for three years, says, not believing unless I can see it. Let us be church. Never those who have that confession, I won't believe unless I can see. Let our confession be, I will believe because I cannot see. I believe because I cannot see. And blessed are those who believe, who have not seen. But this guy, this guy, he believes that Jesus can heal. Is that enough? Is that, well, Jesus can do this, is this enough? No, it's not enough to believe that he can just do that. Faith in Jesus as in the capacity, was, is, is not a faith where he can do something for you. 
If your faith is based on what Jesus will do for you, rather than who he is, then your faith is shallow. Well, Jesus blessed me. Jesus healed me. Jesus hugged me. Jesus wiped away my tears. Jesus do this for me. That's not the faith that God wants you to have. And there's nothing wrong with praying those things. But if your faith is solely centered in on Jesus, do this for me. Then you're missing out on something. It's not just having faith in what he can do. It's having faith in who he is. That's the higher level of faith. But you know, Jesus is so gracious and so kind. He's so amazing. He says, won't you believe in me unless I do these miraculous signs? (laughs) And then this happens. The official pleaded. A royal official attached to the king, himself a king of sorts. Lord, please come now. My little boy dies. And for us who have children, we know how painful a thought that is. And for those who have loved ones, a brother or a sister, and they're going through that pain of that separation, you know how painful that is. Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. And Jesus said, go back home. Your son will live. And look at this. And the man believed what Jesus said. He believed what Jesus said and started home. He believed the word of Jesus. He believed what he could do. Now he believes what Jesus said. Wow. Well, this guy's finally got it. Not. It's not enough just to believe what he said. I can believe what Jesus says. Do you know many successful people adhere to and take the principles of Christ and out of God's word and they put them in their life and they live through them because they take that word because they know it's true. You see, I can believe what Jesus said. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be. I can believe what Jesus said where he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I can believe that. I can believe everything that Jesus said and even put it in my life. But does that make me the person that Christ wants me to be? And the answer is no. It's not enough just to believe his words. You see, this guy simply moved from believing that Jesus could do miracles and then he moved to believing the words of Jesus. But he's still not there yet. It's good to believe the words of Jesus. 
it's almost like if I, I read this and see it, it's almost like he's kind of like moving through the process of faith, that he's believing that Jesus is able to heal and that Jesus' words can be trusted. But what does Jesus want from us? Seriously. What does he want from us? Well, look at this. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked, he asked them when the boy had began to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly left. Praise God. Healing. Trusting the word of Jesus. Now look at the next portion of Scripture. Then the father realized that that was the very time that Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. He just didn't believe that he was able to heal. He just didn't believe that he could trust his words. He believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee and coming to Judea. You see, without obedience and trust, there can be no complete faith. You can believe that Jesus is able to do things. You can believe the words that Jesus says. But what Jesus wants us to do is believe that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. And that is why John writes, these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah, is the Son of God. And so that by believing in Him, that by believing in Him, you may have power in your life. It's by trusting in Him that He is the Son of God. And you're connecting with the Son of God. And you're connecting with him, not just so that you can be healed, not so that you can have some good principles in your life, but so that you can have life itself in you. Because he is life. He is light. Listen to John 3.16 as, we, we, as I say it. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him, it's by believing in Him that He is the Son of God. The revelation of who He is causes us to have a conviction, to be persuaded, to place our confidence in, to trust, to have reliance that He is the Son of God. And come hell or high water, it makes no difference because He is the Son of God. Has anyone ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Or what the early church went through? What those believers went through when they were brutally tortured? When they were kicked out of societies? It was, it's just unbelievable. How can, how can people go through that? How can people be martyred with their faith and still stand strong and say, I have a trust that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how. And they can take everything away from them. Because they have that conviction of who he is. 
He believed in Jesus. When we truly believe in Jesus, our faith is not with what he has done or with the words that he speaks, but who he is. And folks, everything is a byproduct. Everything is a byproduct. Healing is a byproduct of who he is. The words of his wisdom are a byproduct of who he is. When we started to read those verses, he says, Will you not believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And then we see that Jesus shows us that this man, this royal official, he had faith in what he could do. He had faith in the words that he spoke. And then finally, he believed in who he was. Do you want power for life? Then we believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah. And everything that is attached to that, the power to live now and eternal life, is all tied to that, the Son of God. Our faith must rely on who he is, not what he can do. Because he can do all things. But will you accept him as the Son of God? That's the challenge. The Messiah that can save your soul. Do you want power to live life? Then you've got to make that decision, like many people have, like C.S. Lewis, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And if you don't know him or have that conviction, then you ask him to reveal yourself, to reveal himself to you, for him to show you who he truly is. And once you have that that conviction, that revelation, your life will never be the same again. Because then you have life himself, which is the light of men. Why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads this morning? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Why don't we stand just for a few moments and just as we just close your eyes and just bow your head and I just want you to search your hearts this morning, search your hearts, do you have that conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? Do you have that deep in your heart or you just believe that he's a miracle worker, that his words are good? that you can transition from that moment, from that moment that He is the Son of God. And if that's you this morning, why don't you just say, Jesus, I want to have that conviction that you are the Son of God. I want to have that conviction that you are the Son of God. And I don't want anyone to raise a hand this morning. I just want you to cry out from your own heart, Jesus, show me that you are the Son of God. And if you're watching online and you don't know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, He can reveal Himself to you. And that takes place by you asking Him, Jesus, show me who you truly are. 
And when you do that and you search with all your heart, he will reveal himself to you. He will make himself alive to you. And you'll have a conviction where you'll be able to stand with anything that goes through life because he loves you and cares for you. He doesn't want you to do things to have salvation. He doesn't want you to kind of like be involved in rituals. He wants you to have faith in him, that he loves you and cares for you. I'm going to pray right now. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray in response to that, that Jesus would reveal himself to you. Father, this morning I pray that we would continually believe, continually have a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. I pray for people here this morning, O oh God, Lord, that you would show them who you are and show them that you are the Son of God, that you love them and care for them. Lord, that they would have a faith that is solely based in who you are, not what you can do or the words of wisdom that you speak. I pray for those online, O oh God, that you would touch them. Lord, because your Spirit can touch people exactly where they are right now. And they would cry out to you, O oh God. Lord, that they would confess that Jesus is Lord. And I ask that in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And thank you for joining us online. I pray that you would contact us and just let us know what's happening in your life so that we can pray for you on the journey of faith. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.